Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello and welcome to the Football Social Daily, uh, your best place for daily Premier League football content and even though we are on an international break at the moment the news keeps coming and we keep bringing it to you and when I say we I mean myself Ant McGinley uh, I'm a Man City fan and I'm joined uh, by uh, Joel Tudor who is a Manchester United fan and at this point usually mumbles because he's not in the best of spirits at the moment <laughs> good morning <laughs> <laughs> see what I mean and Ian Brannan who is a Leeds United supporter Hi, welcome along. Get ready for the weekend, Vivla Friday. At least we got not the disappointment of waiting for Leeds to inevitably throw away a three-nil lead or something this weekend. So you know, it's kind of a weekend off for me. <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 benefits of the international break. And uh, actually, for all those clubs that we've mentioned there at the beginning, we're not going to talk about any of them, at least for the first section, because. Following the news yesterday's show, which uh, myself and Joel were on, we started the show but we were talking about speculation about Gerard going to uh, Villa. And by the time I'd finished the opening sentence, they decided to break the news that he'd actually gone. So, and then it emerged that Frank Lampard had been into, and then in, and then news broke that Frank Lampard has been interviewed for the vacant Norwich City job and is now odds-on favourite for the role. Uh, it looks like another of that fabled golden generation of England midfielders is on the verge of becoming a Premier League manager. Sources within the club suggest they are keen to make an announcement before their players return from the international break, which means uh, they could appoint somebody by Sunday. Now, if Frank does go in there, it's a little bit of a tough task. Bottom of the table, level on points with Newcastle. But I was thinking about this last night. And if you look at what Lampard did, particularly in that first season at Chelsea, where he came in, he was under a transfer ban, so he couldn't bring in any players, and uh, was forced to work with young players and brought the best out of them. Look at how far Mason Mount, Rhys James, uh, Hudson-Odoi sort of advanced underneath him. And then you look at the situation that Norwich are in, where Norwich have, if not the smallest, one of the smallest budgets in the Premier League, they're not likely to be able to go out and bring a lot of players in at the uh, transfer window, but they do have some great youth prospects, so he might be a very good fit for them. Uh, Joel, yes, 
do you think this is a good move for Frank? Is it a kind of a no-lose situation, even though uh, there's been a lot of losing happening at Norwich? I think this is the job that he should have taken before the Chelsea job. Because when you compare it to the Gerrard situation, I feel like he's doing it the correct way, where he's not just skipping a stone that needs to be jumped on before he actually inevitably, if he, if all goes well, gets the Liverpool job. I feel like the Chelsea one straight after playing his trade in the championship was a little bit of a step too far in terms of his managerial development because, you know, let's not forget, he's still at the very, very beginning of his journey as a manager. Um, but for me, I think that one thing with Lampard is that although, you know, he's succeeded to an extent with Derby in terms of really progressing them in that promotion fight. His recruitment's always been spot on at both clubs that he's been at at the moment because, you know, with Derby, even though they didn't get promoted, he identified Tamori and Mason Mount who have gone on to become really good players. Obviously, Tamori's a a regular AC Milan. Mason Mount's one of the best English midfielders right now. And then obviously at Chelsea, even though he couldn't get the likes of like Havertz, who he signed, Mendy, who he signed, Chilwell, who he signed. He couldn't get them all working underneath him. I think obviously they just needed a manager of a bigger calibre to get them trying to start to fulfil their potential. But he's got an eye for talent. And I think that at a club like Norwich, even though they won't have the biggest budget in the league, when you look at his time at Derby, but like I said, you know, he had... Um, I think Wilson, who he got on loan from Liverpool at the time, I believe, and he ended up scoring like 15 goals in the championship for him when he was a bit of an outcast at Liverpool. And I think he's got an eye for young talent. And he's, like you said, he develops them very, very well. Like in that first season at Chelsea, where he wasn't able to bring anyone in. So I think at Norwich, it's the right stepping stone for him in terms of just his managerial progression because I think he needs a little bit of longevity um, and to try and make a club his own rather than constantly thinking about that next Chelsea job that he was searching for and it came a little bit too soon for him. Whereas Gerard now can focus on this Villa task, big project. If the Liverpool job comes, it comes, but at least he's not quickly advancing into a role that he may not be ready for just at the minute. Longevity is something that managers don't tend to get at the minute, particularly in the Premier League. Just at the start of this month, uh, less than 10 games into the season, we had a week where three managers lost their job. Uh, So he may not get the longevity. However, when you look at his career, yes, it's been short, and I I appreciate what you said there, uh, Joel, but that first season he took uh, Derby into the Championship playoff, just missed out on getting them up to the Premier League. And then that first season with Chelsea, with all the limitations that he had, he did take them to an FA Cup final. Uh, Ian, you know, you've... uh, I I think your Leeds team were... You would have been playing against Frank's Derby when uh, Uh he was in charge of them. Yeah, Frank Lampard's Derby. Uh, Now Wayne Rooney's Derby. Um, (laughs) I, I, I'm very fond of, of Lampard for the uh, cameo he made towards the end of his career with that season at, at Man City. Um, we, we talked about his man management. The the difficulty that seemed to be behind his departure at Chelsea was the fact that he couldn't get the best out of those big money players, those big money signings that the, the club had brought in and a club like Chelsea had those resources. Um your manager's quite good at getting the best out of players as well. Um, 
is it down to do you think it's a case of inspiration and motivation uh, as much as any sort of experience a tactical nouse well i think um, it, the thing with obviously bielsa um is that he very rarely communicates out outwardly in english and i know that he does a bit uh, in within the club but we've never really hear him speak in the media and that's that's for safety reasons he doesn't want to get misquoted and that's why he does that um obviously he has got a great deal of experience and and i think that experience of having been there seen it and done it and i think for bielsa it's always a case of that you know whilst people will criticize and say that he hasn't won very much i mean he's won the championship which is no small feat i mean that takes some doing uh, in this country there's not many people actually done it uh, and and cracked it and, and won as champions um but i think he likes the challenge but he has this respect that he's managed the best players in the world. He's managed Messi and and so on for the for the Argentina um, you know national team, and he's 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 taken these um, players to to major tournaments. He's managed in World Cups. You can't ever say that he hasn't been there, seen it, and done it. You know, he's he's managed in all of the top leagues at some point, and actually at Leeds, he's he's. Leeds is now his longest serving club that he stayed in one place for in his entire career which is you know something else so um, I think with that probably the same though with he's, he's dealing with a different type of player at Leeds because he hasn't and he hasn't really not in a situation like where you're at Man United where Cristiano Ronaldo comes in Leeds have never been in that place they've always been he's got the best out of what they had because he had to because there was no money to buy players at that point um and he's very good at spotting talent and thinking i can get more out of you and we've seen that with rafinha that went completely under everybody's radar in europe and they spotted him last minute oh yeah actually he's all right i can make something of him and now he's in the brazil national squad as a first choice player um so yeah he can he can bring the best out of them how he would get on with top 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 talent I don't know I think he has got a history of not necessarily being able to cope with that so I think he's inspirational to to obviously players who are on a, in a certain place and are now looking to go up the pyramid of football if you're already at the top looking down at Bielsa would that work out I'm not so sure and I think that's the same with Frank Lampard the younger kids grew up with him had his poster on their wall and all this kind of stuff and he is inspirational because they know who he is the players who are from elsewhere in Europe and maybe don't really know who he is maybe he doesn't command that kind of respect you know like an idol and, and all that kind of stuff and it probably works with the others I mean look at the list of uh, great uh, midfield generals that we've got uh, now managing clubs in in the Premier League with you know Patrick Vieira at Crystal Palace and Steven Gerrard now at Aston Villa um, Frank Lampard potentially at Norwich um, Paul Scholes mm. with his daughter's toes. Um, so you know, um, it's uh, it, you know, it's it's, a, it's 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 interesting what these great midfielders have gone on to do with their with their careers um, post playing, and it's exciting. And I think it is inspirational for the for the the next sort of band of of um, uh, of players that are coming through that that have always looked and idolised them and 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 take it on board. But yeah, it's that it's that big you know big ego thing and I think with Frank Lampard going back to him at Derby he got involved in too many little fights with people and certainly with Leeds you know that that Spygate business was all Frank Lampard's doing he didn't need to make that into a big deal he chose to pick that battle and that was more important to him than actually preparing for the match <laughs> you know so 
that he gets bogged down in these little things and he so he starts off all right with a clean sheet but he starts having picking fights with various people and it and it i think it ultimately brings him down maybe he's learned from that mm. now but all that business I, I, didn't help just just from what you're saying there i am actually wondering if it if it actually doesn't matter really at all about what he did before because you mentioned Paul Scholes there who of course had a little bit of time at Oldham previously uh, from that same generation of players that uh, Lamps would have played with obviously the big one uh, in the news at the moment because of Villa is Stevie G uh, but then Sol Campbell's gone into management Wayne Rooney's gone into management the Nevilles have gone into management and it's not worked for any of them yet at the time equally they would have been first names on the team sheet uh, when they were playing together with Lampard so it, I don't think you know thinking about it now it, it, it's almost a, a misnomer a distraction about that's what they were I think it, it's more about what they do and what the what the results they get and in the case of those that I just mentioned a lot of them didn't get those kinds of results now it's just emerged this morning that um, Dean Smith has also had an interview uh, which is very interesting when you consider that uh, I think if I get the timing right, last weekend uh, they announced the departure of Dean Smith and then within a couple of hours it was Daniel Fark. Oh, was it the other way around? I, I think it was Daniel Fark. And, well, either way, Dean Smith has decided to not have a holiday. Daniel Fark's not been mentioned anywhere and, and fair play to him. Uh, but it's emerged that he's in line for the job as well. However, whoever gets the job... Um, this is going to be a very, very difficult challenge. Five points from 11 games. You're starting to get into the realm of saying it's mathematically possible, which is always wrong. We're not quite at that stage, but there is a lot of work to be done. I'm just interested now, from your point of view, what, what do you think is more difficult? Do you think it's more difficult to get a team out of the relegation places considering the resources and the issues that they've got there and the morale than it is to get a team like West Ham for example to break into those Champions League places Joel um, I feel as though obviously there's way more pressure trying to get a team out of the relegation zone because I think any owner is going to be content with a team constantly trying to break that top four I think the first name that comes to mind is when David Moyes was at Everton for 10-15 years and I don't know how many times he actually broke the top four. I think it was maybe just once in that those 15 years. Um, but even still, they're never going to sack a manager because he's able to consistently keep them there. I think the majority of mid-table clubs would kill to have a manager who can constantly keep them within that talk of fifth, sixth, potentially fourth. So the, the scale of pressure just changes dramatically. I mean, when you see clubs like Norwich who become a bit of a yo-yo club where every single season they kill the championship by 94, 95 points and then they go to the Premier League and it looks like they're a kid in a in an adult's, <laughs> an adult's environment. It just, they just can't cope with it. And I think for Norwich, if I was looking at the candidates right now, I think the kind of quirky, cool option is Lampard just because you, you don't know where he could take you. He's still not got the credentials to actually prove to anyone really that he has what it takes not only to keep them in the Premier League, but if they go down to actually take them back up again. Whereas Dean Smith, I feel as though he's... Like you said, I was quite surprised when he was mentioned for an interview. Just because 
usually this day and age when a manager gets sacked he's ready to take time out he's ready to like assess his options but for me what i took from that is that he was very surprised with his sacking and he didn't see it coming and i think he has a point to prove just because like we said in the podcast yesterday he had so many first teamers out he has such a quality squad it's november where there's still 28 games to play for and I think he, he came it came to him by surprise considering how long he's been there for and I think it was a big roll of the dice from Villa um, because I don't see how much worse it was going to get considering they had a lot of long-term injuries coming back in the near future um, but I think for Norwich it's a it's come at a perfect time because when Dean Smith took over from Villa sorry when Dean Smith took over Villa um Aston Villa were 15th in the championship they were struggling side and he's managed to really galvanize them made some really shrewd signings obviously Jack Grealish under him started to flourish became the talisman became the captain um, and he created them into the side that they are right now and I think for Norwich you have to plan ahead both for the good and for the bad as in right now they're looking like a team that just cannot um, survive and I think they're going to need to plan ahead in terms of using a manager for next year who they think is going to take them back up to the Premier League because it's a massive, massive ask. And when you compare each squad, squad for squad objectively, theirs is the weakest by an absolute mile. And in January, they're probably going to be the side who can spend the uh, the least amount as well. And I think that Dean Smith is probably the more sensible option, though I'm sure they're going to feel a little bit romantic and want Lampard and Gerrard fighting out for the uh, six-pointer relegation battle game that's coming up soon. Um, so we, I think for a neutral, everybody wants Lampard to do it, just because I think it adds another kind of little rivalry at the bottom of the table between Lampard and Gerrard. Um, but I think Norwich fans will be like, guys, <laughs> we just want to stay in the Premier League, so give us Dean Smith all day. I mean, dude, something else I, I forgot to mention, is, of course, is uh, currently on loan at Chelsea, sorry, from Chelsea at Norwich, is Billy Gilmore, who was given his uh, Premier League debut by Frank Lampard. And uh, so already there's there's a connection there and, and th- that's something for them to build on. But I think just based on what Joel said there, Ian, do you think that whoever comes in, be it, be it Dean Smith, be it Frank Lampard, be it somebody we've not even mentioned yet, if they manage... If, if they manage to keep that Norwich team up considering where they are and considering the form that we come into and I'm not just talking about like the recent games I'm talking about this is a Norwich side that has broken records that their fans will not want me to remind them about in terms of defeats and let's not go there if whoever comes in can keep them up do you think that makes them a contender for manager of the season? I think potentially, you know, we are still very early in the season as it goes. There's a long way to, to, to go yet. Although that said, there's that stat that, you know, if you're bottom by Christmas, I think all bar one team in the history of the Premier League's gone down or something like that. Um, so you do need to have a good account of yourself, really, at, from this point of the season onwards. You can. We have seen a side once that were bottom and, 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 and shot up. I think it might have been Crystal Palace 
a number of years ago who were very much in a similar position to to where Norwich are now and from around late November to the end of the season they put a quite a decent run together and got themselves in the top half um, I think it might have been the year that Leeds got relegated it, it was it was a long time ago now but I just remember that there was a you know the tale of two where one side really got going and, and pulled themselves free so they're not cut adrift yet there's there's a long way to go so that it, it, it can be saved but you just fear for their certainly their defence you know taking a pound in quite a lot and and they've got the leakiest defence um, by far and they just can't seem to keep a clean sheet and that obviously is is, is job number one if you're going to survive I think it is a very tricky task um, I think if you know if somebody rescued them from where they are now whoever that is and, and finished mid-table halfway up you could you could um, you could argue yeah you know they've 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 certainly pulled back a you know quite a, a a situation there because as it stands they look absolute certs to go down um and you know if you can reverse that and have a decent account of it from here on in then that would be pretty amazing i think that actually when norwich are keeping them up is is the harder task than keeping uh you know a, a what a top six side in the top six if you know what i mean uh, and challenging for the champions league because i think if you've got that momentum and, and and all that norwich are in a bad place because they haven't got the funds to compete with a lot of the sides that they're playing against um you know they, they are sort of scrapping around for for what they can get in in comparison to to you know, the other teams down there, notably Newcastle, who are probably going to flex some muscle. I don't think they're going to sign brilliant players when it comes round to it, because I think there is still that air of comedy about Newcastle still, because they don't seem to be able to to, to organise. Um, well, we'll come to what they are, <laughs> their parties <laughs> a little bit later on. But, you know what I mean, they, 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 they're not going to attract... Um, the best of the best in this next transfer window and they have still got some problems yet but I think Eddie Howe will probably drag him clear so it's it's looking ominous for, for Norwich um, and you know it's just the facilities and everything they've got you know the, the, and the negativity probably that's coming in around the team too because they know they've been here before and they know how it pans mm. out you know yeah, and and it's it's either fast or famine for the fans as well. My, my heart really goes out to them. And, and you know, if you're a Norwich supporter listening to this now, I'm sure this is not the first piece of radio or TV or media that you've consumed this week where somebody said it's ominous or used words like that. Uh, we're going to park that there, and uh, I'm just amazed that we've managed to chat about that, and nobody's been given anybody the job yet because that seems to be uh, what was starting to happen yesterday. Uh, we're going to park it there, take a little break, and then we're going to look at some of the games taking place uh, over the next couple of days with a focus on England, who take Albania as they aim to win their group for World Cup qualifying. Football Social Daily from the Sports Social Network. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily. I'm Ant McGinley, joined by Ian Brennan and Joel Tudor, and it's now time to take a quick look at uh, some of the international games, uh, particularly uh, what lies in store for England. Uh, they just need four points to guarantee uh, finishing top of the group. Uh, good news for Wales, actually, uh, following some results in other uh, groups and uh, their performance in the Nations League. Uh, Wales uh, are pretty much guaranteed a playoff place now. 
and uh, that will be decided over the next couple of days. And Scotland could make an appearance as well. Unfortunately, uh, for Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland, uh, there's no way for them to get to Qatar. So, with all the uh, with all the points in the bag for England and the performances that they've put in so far, although Albania is a difficult game, uh, and we'll come to we'll come to some of the issues they face in terms of the. Um, the players that they're missing and who they're going to bring in. Attention's turned off the field. First of all, I want to talk about this. Gareth Southgate has apparently been offered double his money in a deal to stay. It seems that the FA are scared someone in the Premier League will come for him. And let's be honest, Premier League jobs come up quite often. Now, he has managed in the uh, Premier League before. Joel, let's say, for example, the manager at your club might Don't be you leaving. dare say Southgate. Would would? <laughs> well, oh no. In on a serious note, would you consider I'd Southgate at United? Forward. Honestly, not a chance would I consider Southgate. He's he oh, he'd be so out of his depth that he need ten armbands just to keep afloat. I mean, yeah, isn't that that's a, not even a conversation? I mean, I'd rather have Ollie than Southgate. I think Southgate is in his element in international football. Um, where he's able to have a set amount of players consistently, where he's able to, you know, prepare for a couple of years for each tournament. I don't think club football is for him, um, and I wouldn't. I, I I think he's doing really well in the England side as well in terms of the progress he's made since the last manager, uh, when it all seemed to just be going absolutely pear shaped under Roy Hodgson. So I think he needs to stay put. And I, but like he said, though, he doesn't want to overwhelcome his stay in terms of the progress of the side. But I mean, he's continuously made progress in the last two tournaments, going from semi-finals to the final. You would think that the next step is actually lifting something. Um, and he's got the squad to do it. But I mean, in terms of Manchester United, no, it's, it's something that I don't even think the club would even consider at all. Um, considering the manager that we've currently got, I think we need to upgrade <laughs> rather than downgrade. But his, his stock must be pretty high when you look what he's done with England, Ian, because yeah, he, he's taken a team that's constantly un, underperformed. And you look at the, the, the performances of the last three tournaments, if you include the Nations League, um, you're looking at a semi-final in a, in a World Cup, final in, in the Euros, and a final in the Nations League. And that's the kind of form that gets you noticed. Uh, but would would you agree with... With with Joel there, or would you say that you know he does have Premier League experience as well? Let's remember uh, from 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 his time before he went to uh, manage the England youth team. Um, do you think he could come back to the Premier League? Maybe not now, but in the near future, and and prove people like Joel wrong. It's funny, isn't it, that I think certain figures within football have have a reputation, and maybe that's down to spitting image or something down back in the day or or whoever when um you know he missed that penalty and and he sort of got involved in all that and sort of became a bit of a figure of fun and everything um and because he's not um particularly outlandish he he keeps himself to himself doesn't get involved in any scandal and um you know i've seen him shopping in sainsbury's that's about the most exciting thing i think i've seen him do uh, in, in many a time, um, he was in the um, the Bisto aisle. I seem to remember it was very exciting. Anyway, um, that's <laughs> but I think because of that, he sort of has a bit of a a reputation about him. And most fans only see Gareth Southgate when he comes on and does his thing, 
on the TV and goes off again. You don't see what happens the rest of the time. You don't see what happens when he's working with the players. Very much how we have this opinion of Andy Murray. You know, he comes on and goes, oh, that was a really good game. That was really exciting. Uh, and that's the most you get out of him. And therefore, everybody thinks that he's boring. But actually, he's not when you see him you know, on, on these documentaries that they've done where he's sort of a bit more chilled out. Gareth Southgate in football is regarded as one of the best coaches this game has in within within football circles. Right, that's why he's the England manager. He's the England manager because he is the best British coach that we have at this moment in time. The most qualified and um, has worked obviously very hard in the in the international setup with with the youth of of England and now with the with the team. So it's a natural progression for him. He will surely be a better coach now than he was when he started that job. It would be interesting because I remember I did a thing once with. Um, where I had to go, <laughs> sounds a bit bizarre, but I had to go to Steve McLaren's house. And, um, and, and I was sat in Steve McLaren's house talking with Steve McLaren. And it was, I was, I was um, literally holding a microphone for, uh, for Five Live in front of Steve McLaren. That was my, my job that day. And, um, and I'm sat in Steve McLaren's um, little study. And um, there's these little dusty ornaments on the side. And I'm just sort of sat there having a look around and see what the dusty ornament is. And it was a Premier League winner's medal. And... Um, and I was asking him about international football versus club football. And he said, you know, yeah, I love the international stuff. But do you know what? The, the thing that he didn't like about it was not working with players all the time. That The fact that, you, yes, you've got a, a small group of players that are going to be coming, but you don't necessarily know exactly who. You know who you'd like to come, but we've seen now, today, that there's injuries. You haven't got your ideal lineup, and you are at the beck and call of some clubs as well with who they'll release, or some have got injuries and knocks that will let them out. So he would much rather be in a club where you know what you've got and you're working every day. And I think with that in mind, what Gareth Southgate's achieved in a part-time job with some players, if he was at a top club with top players and he's working with them every day, I think he could achieve something. And I think open your minds to the fact that... um, you know, he's not as probably boring as you think he is and he might surprise you because I think if he can get England to where he's got England too with with players of that level working on them, we, you know, day in, day out, I think he, he would achieve something. I think that there are worse options around than Gareth Southgate at club level but I kind of want to see him continue with the England job because it's consistency is what we need on that one. Uh, agreed. And I, I would say that I was very much in the Joel camp and I did make a lot of the... Uh, geography teacher style references that there were about when he when he came in at the first but i've very much been won over and impressed not just by what he's achieved with on on the pitch in terms of results but in terms of how he's conducted himself and how the club have conducted themselves or the team have conducted themselves under him the influence that he's had uh i i do think though that united would be missing a trick because there's another great marketing opportunity because you could have official club waistcoats there <laughs> as well which should be <laughs> yeah, you know there is definitely um, a bonus there <laughs> yeah now um i think somebody that you probably almost definitely would have although maybe maybe i'm wrong about this you wouldn't go for southgate but would you take harry kane because harry kane's ahead of this game has been talking about um the disappointment of of not winning the European Championships and losing that final, but also about the stress of going through a summer where, represented by his brother, he didn't get the move that he thought he was going to land. So the question is, um, would you take Harry Kane 
Uh, he, I mean, obviously, he's, he, his class speaks for itself. He's not had the greatest season so far. Uh, but bear in mind that you've got to speak to his brother, Charlie, who doesn't seem to have done the greatest job for him so far. I mean, far. judging from his comments, for me, it sounded like he's still flirting with the fact that he wants to leave. Um, I don't think the Antonio Conte incoming is really going to change his mind. I think he's dead set on what he wants in his career right now and it's definitely not Tottenham. Um, but with regards to his agent, honestly, I feel as though he could have had Mino Raiola and uh, George Mendes managing his career and he, they would not have got him out of that club this summer at all. Daniel Levy has an absolute tight grip hold on him, both legally and probably physically, that we don't even see in the back room. <laughs> I mean, he's he's really stuck there. And it's, it, you know, it's, it's of his own making, but also of the club's making. When you sign a contract, you know exactly what you're signing the contract for and you know the terms of it. However, I do think that he's been 100% underhanded at some point in terms of promises made by Levy along the along the road in terms of ambition or in terms of where the club's going, what direction they're going in, especially after that Champions League final where, you know, Pochettino got sacked literally five months after it happened. I'm sure he became really disillusioned, but I think when you look at his form right now, it comes down to quite a bit of a mentality thing because when I think of English players who've really wanted to struggle to get out of their club in the past when you think of, for example, Rooney, who did it on two occasions. Um, I'm trying to think of some more. There is more, but Rooney's the one that stands out for me. Even though he was pining for a move away on two occasions, I don't think I ever saw him down his tools once during that period. If anything, he, he was trying to prove a point to everyone of just how much of a high-level player he was and how indispensable he is at that club. Whereas with Kane it's almost as if he's just become resounded to the situation. His heart's no longer in it anymore. He's got one goal in the Premier League this season, which is his worst return in his career. And for me, it just kind of marks his mentality a little bit because regardless of the situation, you're under contract. I think Daniel Levy, regardless, is always going to have the upper hand, especially when a player's under contract for the length that he is. And I feel as though when you look at the comments that he made in his press conference where he said I can't become complacent because someone could take my place well then Southgate judging from his picks and his selections he picks people based on form rather than their status like previous English managers in the past so why has he been picked because I, I could name probably three or four English strikers who have been way better than Harry Kane have in, uh, since the start of the season and if it's for the better of the English national team Harry Kane right now shouldn't be anywhere near the team in his frame of mind, surely, regardless of how much of a stature he mm. is, because he's in poor, poor form. And he even he'll admit that, and he admitted it in the press conference. So why should he be part of this England side that Southgate is so non-biased towards and picks players purely based on how well they're doing as a player and not what they've achieved as a player? Because everything everything gets better when you score a goal. That's it. I think, you know, if you start scoring a goal, which there's opportunity in these next two games for him to do, uh, that could fix everything. It's interesting there, though, speaking about the contracts, I, I'm always curious to this about the difference between managers' contracts and players' contracts. So, like, Harry Kane is tied into the six-year contract. There's a reason why they're not letting him move. There's the buyout clause everywhere. But then 
perhaps they need to speak to Jose Mourinho because we put something out on the socials the other day. I don't know if you saw this because uh, Mourinho has made about ninety-seven million from all the contracts that he's had terminated recently, and so you know the, there is the opportunity and the leeway um, to do that. And at that level, you know, potentially those those contracts are are breakable in that respect. Um, now we've got Phillips coming back tonight for England. And uh, obviously, last time out, we had Declan Rice with no Phillips. And with Rice being out through illness, uh, it's Phillips. And, well, we, we don't know at this point. And uh, Phillips very quickly became a favourite and did an amazing job at the Euros. Obviously, you've been watching him for a, a, a long time in his development at Leeds and how he's playing there. Um, who do you think, knowing him as well as you do, who do you think they should play alongside him for for these games? Do you think it, they should go for the experience of Henderson, or should they take a chance uh, with with Bellingham, who has you know what we've seen of him so far has looked very impressive as well? But Ian, you know you're you're the leads man. You're you're our Calvin Phillips expert <laughs> with that midfield dilemma. You know because of all the, all the dropouts, not just Declan Rice, got Mason Mount and his uh, teeth. It looks like he's not going to be back uh, with that, and and James Ward Prowse pulled out as well. Yeah, um, I, I, I certainly think Mason Mount probably needs it another couple of days with those wisdom teeth. That was brilliant, by the way. If you've not seen the video of, uh, of Mason Mount and his wisdom teeth in the back of the cab, uh, <laughs> certainly it'll brighten you up your day. Um, I think that probably um, whether, well, both this is what will happen and probably what should happen is um, Jordan Henderson, I think, is is the obvious choice because I think it's all about stability. With Calvin Phillips, um, the way that he's been playing, and, and the, the problem with it is if you put Calvin Phillips not necessarily in the role that he's been used before, um, either with England or with Leeds, then it never really seems to work out quite as well. And and that's where England got the best out of Calvin Phillips was when they finally played him in the place where he plays week in, week out because we had this period where he was playing on the wing and, and wherever and, and further up front. And, and that's when we didn't really see the best of him and people going, oh, he's, you know, he's, no, he's no good. It's like because he was playing that, played out of position, that's why. And then, lo and behold, when uh, in, in, in the Euros, when he was played in the position that he, he, he's, he's good at, you know, his, his, his main position that, that Bielsa plays him in, Wow, now we start to see something. Um, so he needs, and the way that the system works is that obviously one fills in for the other. So it needs to be a player who's sort of used to playing a similar system. And, and obviously Jordan Henderson has got the experience, but he also plays for Liverpool who play a, a sort of a similar kind of um, role. So I think it'll be more natural for both of them, um, even though they don't play with um, alongside each other, generally speaking, uh, you know, in, in, in their club, it, it's, it's going to be a similar kind of feel to it. Um, so, yeah, I think um, that is the obvious thing. And, of course, with Mount being out as well, that probably throws open some of the opportunities for, you know, the likes of Phil Foden to, to be involved and, 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 and things like that as well elsewhere in the midfield. So I think with, with the fact that you're probably going to have some changes elsewhere, um, having that stability in the middle is probably what, you know, it seems to be the sensible thing. I think that's probably what will happen from what I've read. Speaking of stability, if uh, the Premier League do pinch Gareth Southgate, I think you've put yourself a very good case there for stepping in and into the breach and holding the fort uh, at England for a little while there, Ian. With, with uh, what? So, so, <laughs> with, my, with my Mason Mount. <laughs> well, just for managing that midfield. Oh, right, yeah. Well, I can, I can, yeah. Well, I can see it. Sometimes others can't. Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, uh, so kickoff for that game uh, is tonight, or depending on when you're listening, Friday night at seven forty-five, and then uh, final game is on uh, Monday against San Marino, wrapping up that uh, qualifying group. Uh, England needing at least a point. Albania uh, should not be underestimated. However, they've been in very, very good form recently, uh, and they beat Hungary home and away. We're going to take a little break there, and then we're going to come back with a quick update on one of the stories we did earlier in the week about a Premier League own goal. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to part three of the Football Social Daily and uh, still with Joel Tudor, Ian Brennan and myself, Ant McGinley. Uh, We've talked about a a lot today and we've talked about a lot this week. Earlier in the week, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, we were chatting about the story that broke about this charity uh, campaign for the homeless which had been put forward which would have seen games over the Boxing Day period uh, Premier League teams playing at home in their away shirts uh, in a campaign to raise awareness and raise money of, of homeless and the Premier League blocked it which seemed to be a little bit of an own goal. Just an update on that uh, Premier League clubs have uh, been together, I'm not sure where they do these meetings, whether they're still doing them on Zoom like a lot of us uh, but they've had a meeting, they've had a vote They've now unanimously agreed they will not wear away shirts in home matches uh, over that Christmas period. Well, actually, very interesting. The wording of it says, the clubs unanimously agree they would not wear away shirts in home matches on December the 26th and 27th. Now, if that was me, I would then go and wear them on the 28th, 29th, <laughs> and 30th. Um, but yes, but they. it seems that they will be making an announcement soon of how they're going to show their support for the homelessness charity Shelter. Uh, officially now clubs are welcome to support that charity and other charities in alternative ways such as on-pitch side advertising boards, big screens or pre-match training tops. I mean, this feels a little bit... I I, I think this is pretty much the, 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 the outlook we gave the other day was that this just seems a little bit sort of getting in the way of trying to do something good. Joel, I mean... Yeah, it's a bit trivial, isn't it? I you, mean, yeah. I, to be honest, me personally, I lost faith in these organisations years ago. Um, when it stems from, I remember Nicholas Bentner getting a one hundred thousand euro fine for having branded boxer shorts in a final in a, in the finals of the World Cup, and then they end up giving a twenty thousand fine for a, a crowd which has been racist to a player. I mean, it seems like they just have their priorities mm. all wrong and. In terms of this, I mean, I'd, unless there's some strong contractual obligation to have to wear a home shirt, which they cannot get out of, which I don't think they actually communicated was the case, um, I really don't understand what the 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 problem of it is. Like, it, it just seems their priorities are all wrong in terms of what they want to communicate. It seems they always seem to get mm-hmm. the communications wrong. Um, and for me, I've just lost faith in the fact that they just... They, they, don't, they don't know what they're communicating and why yeah I think I think um, a nice way around this what would be really good actually is if you know like when you go and play five aside and you just turn up wearing whatever shirt you've got and then they just roughly kind of go alright well lights over that side darks on this side and that, that that's how you play it out um, something else that was discussed at this meeting was these FIFA proposals uh, which have been spearheaded by Arsene Wenger about biennial World Cups 
and uh, for those of you not sure, I, I wasn't either. That's every two years. And also having extended international breaks from 2024. Uh, so the, the Premier League have come out, and we, this is no surprise as well, uh, they, they, they've stood against this. Now, um, when when I heard about them doing this, I, I know you'd looked into this before, Ian, about Arsene Wenger being part of this. I, I kind of got the feeling this is a little bit like when uh, it's purely have it every two years so they can make twice as much money as they're doing now. Although, on the other hand, it does mean that it gives you more opportunity as a player to make an appearance on the world's biggest stage. Yeah, but you dilute the whole you know, impact of the World Cup. The World Cup's special because it happens infrequently. You know, if you had the World Cup every year, it's not it's not the same. It's like, so what? I do a podcast for um for the sport of Speedway and they went through a period of having a World Cup more regularly. And it was just like, oh the World Cup's back again. And and it was just every year or every two years. It didn't it was too quick. It it didn't seem special. It became another tournament. Um, whereas now they've gone back themselves to having it every four years um, and, and it's going to be happening a couple of years from now. So, you know, in, and that will be a big event because it hasn't happened for so long. Have it every two years. It's too diluted. It's also going to screw up the, um, you know, the Euros and stuff as well. <laughs> all that, factoring all these things, it seems to be quite a selfish thing for FIFA. You know, there's only one winner out of it and that's FIFA. It ain't the fans because you're going to be... Um, you know, say the, the effects of it's not going to be as special um, it's going to be more expense it's going to be holding more locations the people who win are the potential hosts who are bidding stacks of cash as we know to host this uh, therefore FIFA are the big winners uh, yeah I, I, it's a no from me I, I think it's the right thing to stick at four years it's a nice amount of time you get all the build up you get the excitement and you know you can look forward to the next one and it's a, sort of a distance away that seems ages but actually the time does fly by um, yeah and, and, and back to the other thing we were just talking about by, with, the, with the shirts as well by the way it makes um, it makes the Premier League look like outliers because the EFL are going to be doing it so everybody else in, 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 in the Football League is going to be wearing their away shirts on, on those days, but the Premier League are going to be sticking to it. Oh. just seems a bit, you know. And I know the EFL have apparently got a rule that says that home teams must wear their home kit. That's like in the rules, but apparently the, the EFL is allowing it. So it's going to seem a bit weird that the top tier of football are not involved in this charity, but every other football club that weekend is going to be doing it. Seems a bit strange. Yeah, more famous people than me in the past have said rules were made to be broken <laughs> and uh, it, it would be nice to see that uh, just as a counterpoint though I, I would put forward to you there uh, Ian the fact that you've got the African Cup of Nations every two years um, and that runs well however that does cause a great deal of disruption yeah. especially if you've got international African players do you get excited side. for the African Cup of Nations though seriously oh, do you, is, it, is, it, is it in your calendar <laughs> you're looking forward to it do you know what happens in it uh, no, it, it is in my calendar purely because uh, it, 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 if you look in your fixture list and you're coming up against a team like Liverpool with with Mane and Salah, and you go, "Oh, we've got them in January." Nice one. Right. <laughs> We're gonna, uh, yeah, that 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 that's more the case. Why? I yeah. Think. No, it's it, yeah. yeah it, I think fine, but it's the World Cup. It, it needs the impact. And everybody needs to work around it. And every two years, as I say, it's just going to be too dilute. It, it, initially, it'll be a novelty. But give it a bit longer, 
um, 10 years from now, you'll think, oh, God, not another World Cup. We were playing World Cup qualifiers all the time. That's, you know, that's, that's the other thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, uh, just the final story on this. I uh, They've got an away trip uh, for Newcastle. The first away trip as uh, with Eddie Howe as Newcastle manager. Uh, apparently, uh, they're celebrating yesterday uh, with a staff bonding session at the pub. <laughs> Now, considering the uh, the budget that is, is must be on the table, uh, that's at the club's disposal with the new owners, um, I'm 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 not sure how I feel about this. Is this a little bit disappointing? I mean, obviously we don't know the full details, so they might have just had a really big tab behind the bar. You know, we don't know if it was a pub made of gold, uh, but it, it it kind of feels a little bit like if you've ever worked for one of those companies. Where the where the boss has come and said, you know, at the Christmas party, he said, "Hey, we've had a really good year. We've made all this money. It's been absolutely fantastic. Thanks for your hard work." And there's a drinks voucher at the bar as a way of saying thank you, you know, <laughs> rather than sort of going the extra mile. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's, it's the, or maybe perhaps this just shows them being sensible and they're not just going to fritter the money away. Um, Joel. Uh, do you think that's been a bit hopeful of thinking we might have some sensible owners coming Is into this the Premier being held League? in Newcastle? Yes. Well, uh, then yeah, there's answer, yes. isn't it? If they did it down south, the owners would be bankrupt in about 10 minutes. So <laughs> they're being sensible with their money. And I think that's a good, a very good um, indication of to, to Newcastle fans that they're in safe hands because they're not just splurging the cash. Um, and I'm sure the players will be happy with it because they'll most likely get big bumper contracts if they do well under this ownership. Um, and I'm sure Eddie Howe, is, that's his recommendation rather than <laughs> going to some fancy wine and dine where they go to Qatar and getting treated by royalty. So I think they need to keep the, I think it's a, a method to keep their feet grounded, put it that way. I mean, it does look like a nice yeah. pub, to be fair. I mean, it's not like they've gone, they haven't gone to like Hungry Horse or something like that. It's um, a place called the Three Mile in Gosforth, a much-loved landmark in the heart of Gosforth. Um, but um, apparently it's the place where families can relax over a post-school-run coffee or where you can meet friends for a great night out over dinner and drinks. But they do have um, a pizza restaurant in there as well with New York-style pizza serving traditional and bespoke handcrafted pizzas fresh from the state-of-the-art pizza oven. Um, what, well, that changes what toppings everything. do you think they were the uh, what toppings do you think Alan St. Maximum would have yeah, mm. <laughs> sprinkled with gold be, flakes yeah gold, gold flakes quattro stagioni yeah. with gold flakes sounds about right I, yeah. I have to admit at this point you know perhaps that's a sign of things to come will we be serving pizza at St. James's Park <laughs> Uh, full disclosure, uh, just before the pandemic broke, I was in Florida, I watched Orlando City, and I had pizza at my seat while I was watching oh, the game. See, they do it different in America, don't Game's they? Game's gone. I've been to see um, <laughs> Dallas, I saw Dallas play, and honestly, like the football was a sideshow, there, there was so much other stuff going on around your seat, there was like, you could win a, you could win a pickup truck. Uh, just, just like wandering around the stadium, going to the loo and like spin a wheel and win things, and then all the while, the, the, it was it was um, Dallas versus uh, LA Galaxy was just like going on in the background. It was very bizarre. But anyway, yeah, I mean, might turn like I just that saw day. that Antonio Conte just banned pizza at Tottenham, and for an Italian to ban pizza what? is wow. is a mark of <laughs> huge significance. 
Well, well, there you go then. That's settled. Harry Kane will be leaving. <laughs> yeah, I would not stay. I would not stay under those conditions. Uh, speaking of going around winning things, if you give us a follow or a subscribe, you will win the next episode when it drops into your inbox, uh, which will be overnight, and uh, that will be an episode of the dugout. I'll be chatting with Franny Benali and Paul Dickov. Uh, looking back, usually we look at the weekend's fixtures, but we'll be using this opportunity of the international break to look back at the season so far uh, looking back at the last hour i'd like to thank joel tudor and ian brennan thank you thank you guys oh i said brennan i said brennan not brennan, brennan. oh it's not you're not the first no yesterday i couldn't say <laughs> I, I couldn't say joel's name i couldn't say tudor yesterday so it, it, it must be something about the first time we worked together joel tudor ian brennan i'm ant mcginley thank you very much and the sports social daily will return Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.